Welcome to In Your Area. In today's episode, we are pleased to speak with Chris Pittman, Associate Broker for Royal LePage Benchmark in Calgary. Chris is very involved in the practical operations of the FinTrack Compliance Program at the brokerage level and offers some of his real-world experiences with the outworking of FinTrack regulations. We discuss not only the client and realtor experience, but also a view of the brokerage perspective, including the experience of going through an actual FinTrack assessment. We hope you enjoy. Well, hello, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest, Chris Pittman, who's associate broker for Benchmark, Royal LePage Benchmark here in Calgary, Alberta. And we are going to be talking today about the very exciting topic of FinTrack. That's the financial tracking arm or the financial intelligence unit of the of the Canadian government. FinTrack is one of those topics that not everybody is totally interested in. But it is something that affects everybody's life in Canada. Every single Canadian has, whether they know it or not, interacted with FinTrack. FinTrack, as the financial intelligence unit of the Canadian government, is one of 167, I believe, financial intelligence units around the world that operate together. They work together and share information in order to primarily track and stop using various police forces around the world stop the the funding of criminal enterprises money laundering you know every kind of terrible thing around the world that you think that shouldn't happen is funded by money that gets laundered and that money uh, needs to be tracked by somebody and hopefully stopped so that we can cut off the flow of money we can cut off the flow of some of those horrendous crimes, terrorism uh, not being the least of those. Now, the reason why we're talking about FinTrack today is because FinTrack interacts with the real estate industry significantly. Every time a property is bought or sold, FinTrack is uh, is engaged through identification and various other uh, tracking methods through both the real estate professional, the realtor, and also the real estate brokerage. Uh, lawyers have to deal with it. Mortgage brokers have to deal with it. Uh, it's something that every Canadian is interacting with through banks, through mortgages. Uh, whether they know it or not, FinTrack is watching where the money goes and and trying to curb those types of things. So I, I appreciate you being with us today, Chris. Longer of an introduction than I had intended, but uh, I think it's important for our listeners to understand the reason why FinTrack is important. And uh, I, I just welcome you to the uh, episode, and I look forward to having a chat with you today. Well, thank you, Brian. It's very nice to be here, and, uh, and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess we can just start off by uh, addressing the, the realtor members in, in general. How, how important is FinTrack to realtors in general? I, I mean, from your position uh, in a leader, leadership position in a fairly major brokerage here in Alberta, how important do you see FinTrack for realtors in your office? It's a really interesting question. I think and the answer would vary depending on who you're asking. Uh, if you ask a realtor how important FinTrack is, you might get a different answer than uh, what I'm going to give you right now. But, you know, you kind of outlined uh, the importance of FinTrack in your introduction. But, you know, FinTrack falling underneath the uh, proceeds of Crime, Money Laundering and Terror- Terrorist Financing Act um, means that, you know, actively engaging FinTrack is creating safety for people around the planet. And, you know, our industry was identified as one of the sectors uh, in the economy that that is leveraged by people that are engaging in those types of activities. So FinTrack and our social responsibility to the system and to everybody around us um, is very important. 
you know, I think realtors in general care about the people in the world and they care about people in their communities. And when they understand why we're doing these things or why it's required of us, I think FinTrack becomes something that uh, that makes a lot of sense and that realtors do actually care about. It's easy on the surface to say, oh, well, it's just more paperwork that we have to fill out. But once we start diving a little deeper and, and uh, getting an appreciation and understanding for what's going on, um, it, it's nice that we get to play an active role in protecting the planet in that way. Yeah, and it really is sort of one of those situations where uh, we're on the front lines of that information gathering, um, not necessarily the the glamorous side that you might see on TV where SWAT is kicking down doors and, <laughs> you know, those types of things. But realistically speaking, I mean, if it wasn't for uh, the diligent work of the real estate industry gathering and collecting that information in order to at least establish sort of a, a baseline of what real estate transaction and the flow of money looks like, it would be difficult for the financial uh, intelligence unit FinTrack in order to figure out, you know, what is an anomalous uh, transaction versus a normal transaction. And that's sort of the way that I've, I've looked at it. Yeah, that's really true, Brian. And the other thing that we have to always kind of keep in the back of our minds is that, you know, we're providing one information stream to the people that are using this data, right? So we don't get to appreciate the totality of the circumstances of an investigation from one of the FinTrack officers or law enforcement in general. But, but we play a very, very important part of that. And if, Anybody uh, subscribes to FinTrack's releases, they commonly share with us their success stories. So you can see that, you know, um, information through these requirements were used and this terrorism cell has been uh, brought down or there were charges laid in this country or there was a threat identified and neutralized. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, that all that all comes from people like us uh, in real estate and in the financial in- industry and, you know, the law industry and in different places that have these requirements doing the right thing and doing a good job of it. Yeah, for sure. And of course, this interacts with clients. I mean, it's not just realtors filling out paperwork. They actually are collecting information, identification from their clients when those clients are transacting in real estate. I, I imagine that that's probably somewhat confusing. Do you find that the associate, the, the general real estate member is able to figure out the importance of that and pass that information along to the client? Do you think that that is actually being uh, adequately communicated? I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of training that goes into that, right? Uh, every brokerage is required to have a training regime as part of their FinTrack uh, program. And hopefully, realtors are being set up with scripts and dialogues and objection handles to be able to have great conversations around FinTrack. And in my experience, when the public understands why they're providing the information, they usually have no problem with, you know, sort of going with the flow and, and giving it to Uh, the realtor to complete the process and to be compliant. On occasion, we get somebody that kind of pushes back a little bit. They're not comfortable sharing their bank account information, or they just they just don't understand. And you know, that's okay. You know, everybody gets to make their own decision. Our job is to follow the rubric. So when when those breakdowns happen, there's certain protocols that uh, FinTracks put in place for us to follow. And we just follow them. Our job is to sort of observe and report information, right? And not to uh, get too too concerned with uh, with the enforcement of it. So we just do the best that we can. And I think that realtors are very successful in, in getting that done probably 98, 99% of the time. Yeah. And that really is the, you know, once they understand the why, both realtors and their clients, um, once they understand the why behind it and the the really truly heinous things that require funding in order to, to pull off around the world, I, you know, in our 
in our cultural context, I think often we forget about things like slavery or human trafficking or child trafficking around the world. All of these things require funding. They require money. And you can't, that dirty money has to get clean. So I think once people sort of really wrap their head around that and understand that filling out a couple of pieces of paper or, you know, providing some some additional information is your way of contributing to that massive dragnet that helps them determine these things around the world. I, I think that really is is the why. So are there additional challenges that that exist when you're trying to get your associates engaged in that compliance? I know there is quite a um, paperwork burden that, I mean, that is a reality in our in our system. And, you know, even since June of 2021, there's even been a few extra things added on. How, how have you managed that engagement piece within the brokerage? So we do a lot of training here. We, we uh, train every new realtor that comes to our brokerage. And by new realtor, I don't mean uh, only new to the industry. I mean, if they're new to benchmark, they go through a FinTrack training program with us. Uh, anytime there's a change in the regime or in the compliance requirements, we do, we have training and communication that goes out for that. And then we also have training on an annual basis. So I have a compliance day and uh, mm-hmm. it's mandatory inside of our brokerage and everybody comes and we sit down and we, we do all the work in the same day, um, do the testing and everything so we can kind of get it buttoned up and taken care of. You know, on top of that, there's a whole bunch of other things that the company has to do that the realtor doesn't see every day. Uh, and, and you know this, Brian, and I don't know if you want to get into it or not, but, uh, you know, there's there's uh, the review of business relationships, there's risk assessments, there's, you know, the constant reviewing of, of who the clients are and where they come from and, and that kind of thing. And it just kind of goes on and on sometimes on top of any transactional type events that cause red flags, like suspicious transaction reports that have to go in, uh, large cash transaction reports, you know, and all those new ones that have just come out. So there is a a sort of a compliance chain that flows and you answered it perfectly. It it flows from the brokerage down to the realtor and out to the client. And, you know, I think a lot of times consumers don't recognize, you know, the requirement of the, of the real estate professional, but at the same time, the realtors don't always recognize the requirement of the brokerage. So they they feel like they've got the muddy end of the stick, but I, I think oftentimes it's the other way around. Brokerages do have a very high bar um, when it comes to maintaining records and, and, uh, databases and client relationships, all the monitoring that goes into that, and and even just making sure that the paperwork that's flowing out of the transaction into, you know, record keeping mode, let's call it, is correct and full and and usable should FinTrack request it. Yeah, that's interesting so, that you bring that up. It's a significant investment for a company to maintain this regime the way that it has to be maintained. But the other thing that, that's really important is, you know, sometimes when we get a little jaded or we get tired or complacent, it's, you know, you you hear people say, well, they don't know if I put the right information on the form. And, you know, like, you might be right. They might not know. But if you do that and, you, and you're not diligent and you're not doing, uh, you know, doing everything that you're supposed to be doing in the correct manner, then the information is useless to the guy or the person who needs to be able to review the totality of the circumstances to actually make this all worthwhile, right? So mm-hmm. I think there's there's a great deal of pride that should be attached to this in our industry because I do believe that uh, realtors uh, in general and for the most part do a really, really great job with this. And even when there's deficiencies in paperwork and we, sh- we shoot it back to them and we say, you know, uh, you didn't quite hit the bar on this. Can you adjust this? And here's why. We never really get any pushback from that. Uh, mm-hmm. The realtors are always pretty quick to just kind of settle the problem and, and move forward. So 
I think they, de- they deserve a lot of credit for that. Yeah, for sure. And, and maybe I should mention, it's my understanding that you do have a, a law enforcement background as well. Isn't that right, Chris? So you, so you can actually speak adequately to these types of situations. Yeah, it's true. I do have a law enforcement background. Yeah. So, I mean, these are the types of things I, I guess from the, from the real estate desk up to the enforcement arm through the financial intelligence unit is, is really, you know, there, there is this unbroken chain that needs to be maintained in order to ensure that that data is, is viable. And of course, we understand that real estate members have obligations to the client out in the field mm-hmm. as regards, you know, identification of certain, certain pieces of information, not the least of which being the individual identification piece where they actually have to determine you know, the actual identity of the person that they're transacting with. But there are other ones too, things like beneficial ownership of corporations and politically exposed persons or heads of international organization. You know, I think it's important maybe for for clients to understand that when when the realtor member is asking them for these types of information or asking sort of more probing questions than perhaps they would have expected, that this is something that's important and needs to be communicated out to that to that membership. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And, you know, back when we started into this FinTrack regime, I'm going to say around 2012, uh, Korea had put out this really great pamphlet and we still use it today. And it says, your realtor's asking questions because it's the law. Mm. And then it explains what FinTrack's all about. They're asking these questions that sometimes the comfort, the, uh, the public's not comfortable with. But you have to also remember um, as a member of the public that we have uh, obligations under things like Privacy Act. And so this information can never get used for anything other than its intended purpose. And it's always uh, stored in secure places within our offices. So it's not like you're going to give us your ID or your bank account information and it's going to be accessible to the world. It's not. Um, It's only held in files on, you know, in our office anyway, on safe servers and things. So, uh, so it's protected. If somebody calls my office, and I'm sure brokers you know, across the country are the same, and they ask for this information, they're not getting it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not getting released, right? There's a process that uh, even law enforcement has to go through in order to have this information. Um, so it's, it's pretty secure. But it, it's funny sometimes because, Brian, one of the things that you alluded to was you know, the corporate identification. And you know, there's different circumstances for different types of people engaged in a category of FinTrack. So in the corporate world, for example, somebody may be incorporated and they might have a small business, like maybe they're a painter and not to pick on painters, but just using that as an example. And it's a one man show and he's incorporated. And we come in and we start asking for things like, um, you know, do you have uh, a letter from your corporation that authorizes you to sign on behalf of the corporation? And that person might get a little bit emotional around that subject because it seems odd because in his mind, he's a one-man show. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's totally understandable. But this is where the skill of the industry comes in and where the realtors have to be able to sort of navigate that and talk through and explain and, and just kind of, you know, help that person understand, uh, you know, what we're doing, why we're doing it and why that's important. And, and uh, you know, you have the, the one for government officials and everything. So it can be pretty involved, right? Like FinTrack's not simple. But the good thing about all of this is that the federal government does have a really well laid out website that can be leveraged with all these different types of clients to help explain why we're asking these questions, why this requirement exists and, and whatnot. I've even, I've even had the opportunity over the years to argue with lawyers who like to tell you that that it's not a requirement, it's not actually a law. Uh, and of course, we know that that's not the case. And 
that that website uh, from the federal government is a, a phenomenal resource for that. Yeah, absolutely. So you alluded to the to the fact uh, that the brokerage has certain responsibilities under FinTrack, and that upstream of documentation that comes into the brokerage has to be managed. And recognizing that that you know that burden is actually quite high, you know, maybe just for the for the listeners out there who don't totally understand it. Maybe just touch a little bit on what the, what are those brokerage responsibilities under FinTrack and how do you manage those internally? Oh yeah, so that would be a, another whole po- podcast in itself. But at a high level, <laughs> um, <laughs> on each transaction that comes into the brokerage, uh, depending on the type of transaction it is in terms of representation, uh, we have to collect number one the identification of the individual or the corporation, right? Ideally, we like to do that face to face. If that's not possible, then we have forms like the mandatory form. Uh, and things to allow us to identify somebody who's uh, who might be removed from us. So that, you know, at the very least involves identifying the individuals. So we need to see a government issued photo ID. That information gets recorded on the a FinTrack form. And, and a risk assessment is done on each one of the people that uh, engage with us at an agent level, right? That gets submitted to the brokerage. And then the brokerage has to attribute that to a file. Uh, and then we have to cross-reference with uh, terrorist lists and, uh, you know, previous business relationships and things of that nature. So just very simply put on the most basic transaction, there's a lot of a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that we have to do. And then for us, all of our documentation is electronic. So this is where our secure servers come in and, and they get the documents get stored there. They get locked away. They're encrypted. Nobody can access that. And, uh, and they sit there until basically FinTrack comes and says, let me look at your files. I want to make sure that uh, that your files are complete. And at that point, uh, we would reopen those and make those uh, accessible for them. But in, in no way uh, is any of that information you know, used for anything other than its intended purpose, because that would be a, vi- a violation of the Privacy Act. There's a sort of a path like that, uh, whether it's a corporate ID uh, or it's a, an institution buying something. And then it gets a little bit more complicated, Brian, like depending on representation. So we might have a, a scenario where there's a sale happening. Maybe the seller is represented by a realtor and then the buyer is a customer. And so not a client, but a customer under the agency laws. Uh, in that case, the realtor who's representing the seller would be responsible for collecting FinTrack information for everybody involved in the transaction. And so this, the buyer who thinks he's working on his own may uh, have some trepidations about sharing some of this information with the realtor. Uh, but again, it comes back to the realtor's skill and being able to articulate what's actually going on and, and uh, explain why it's, it's necessary, right? So mm-hmm. it, it can be a little complicated and the realtor has to make some calls about process here. But the great thing about that is that each one of the brokerages is responsible to have a compliance officer. It's part of the, the FinTrack uh, regime. So the compliance officer in each one of the brokers, and maybe that may not be the broker, by the way, it may not be an owner, it might be somebody who's just sort of uh, named as the compliance officer, although the broker is ultimately responsible. But they're a great resource for you to kind of uh, ask questions to and to help navigate uh, your way through some of those decisions that have to be made on the fly when you when you run into these different um, sort of less common circumstances. And that's, uh, you know, I really appreciate that 
sort of real world scenario that you you put in place there with an unrepresented client because that that's happening all over the province every single day and and those are hard conversations to have mm-hmm. so and it and it and it's good for consumers to understand that that's not something that you know the broker just trying to harvest your information for marketing or something it can only be used for the purpose of which it was collected uh, which is for for fintrack and and for the federal agency that manages that uh, process that's right yeah so you know, as far as that goes, now we've sort of framed up the whole thing. So clients have a responsibility. Realtor members have a responsibility. The brokerage obviously has a has a great burden of responsibility. Uh, and then all of these things sort of work together in order to to satisfy the compliance regime. And maybe just a shameless plug here for area. I know that uh, for those out there who are members of the industry, area has produced a number of tools and resources um, in order to help with that compliance, not the least of which is a compliance regime builder. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've recently partnered with a technology provider that uh, allows for electronic uh, FinTrack identification, things like that. So, you know, anybody who's an industry member can always reach out to area to get more information on that. But, you know, from FinTrack's standpoint, now FinTrack, of course, has an obligation to make sure that all of us are doing our part. And and the tool that they leverage in order to do that is uh, audits, or I think they refer to them as assessments. So those FinTrack assessments are are sort of you know, somewhat randomized, I would, I would imagine where they come into an area and they pick a handful of brokerages and just find out if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing under the legislation and the regulations. It's my understanding, Chris, that you have been through a FinTrack assessment. So you have some real world experience in order to be able to, to speak to that. Am I correct on that? Yeah, I've been through a couple actually. Oh, wow, two. <laughs> That's double trouble. So uh, recognizing, of course, that FinTrack assessments are not like, you know, that the federal government wagging their finger in your face saying you've done something terrible and we're going to straighten you out. The FinTrack assessment is really designed in order to make sure that what your the processes that you have in place are are actually functioning the way that they're supposed to in order to make sure that the best data comes through the FinTrack system. So it's not necessarily that a brokerage has done something wrong when they're assessed, but uh, those assessments are part of the whole process. And if if a, a broker is listening to this and they haven't been through one yet, you just wait, wait your turn, take your ticket and, and they'll be with you shortly. So, uh, <laughs> so I, if that's a, if that's a good way to put it, but maybe you can give a little bit of insight of what that's like, what that process, that assessment process was like uh, when you went through it. Sure. Yeah. The first thing I'd say is when you hear about FinTrack, a lot of the times it's like there was a $250,000 fine levied against XYZ brokerage in this place for whatever. And it's important for everybody to know that that almost never happens unless there's gross negligence, right? And, the, mm-hmm. and that means like there's a whole bunch of things that stack on top of one another and, the, and the, uh, the broker is just simply ignoring the regime, right? And not doing it. That's generally what happens. So uh, a FinTrack assessment is nothing to be really afraid of. Uh, it's no different than your annual review from the regulator or when you have your, your, uh, your accountant come in and, and review your trust accounts. Same idea. So... Generally speaking, you get a letter from FinTrack that sort of introduces a a caseworker that you're going to be working with and tries to connect with you to outline a timeline um, and some times when they're actually going to be able to talk to you uh, over the phone. Uh, They can do these things both electronically, whereby you collect the documents that they're looking for and you send them to them, or they can come and they can do a site visit. It's, it's interesting. I've, I've not had the site visit. I've done both times that I've been through. We've sent the information in. 
And essentially what they're looking for is they want to see your, your training uh, regime and they want to see how you're updating and implementing and recording participation for it. They want to see your policies uh, manual around FinTrack. They want to see how you're communicating changes that come out uh, within the regime when, they, when there's a rule change or a policy change or, or whatever. And they want to test your knowledge. So they want to know that as the leader or the compliance officer of the organization, you actually have a working knowledge and you're capable of, uh, of explaining and conveying it to, to people that are in your charge. Mm. So those are kind of the big things that I've experienced. The other thing that I would notice is that there's there almost seems to be themes. So back, you know, eight years ago when FinTrack started doing this very regularly, it was the first round seemed to be like an informational type process whereby they were they were coming out, they were saying, Hey, let's look at your stuff, let's make sure you're on the right track, let's talk about any any places where you're deficient or you're non-compliant, and then uh, you get an opportunity to fix it. They give you a letter afterwards outlining all the deficiencies and findings. Uh, and then that letter is something that you have to keep because you'll have to provide that letter to future people doing assessments that they're actually going to ask for it. Then the second round was kind of like, you know, when we started to see fines getting levied and, and things like that. But they, they were all, again, they were f- normally for people that were just simply not doing anything. Right. And so it was kind of it was kind of like. We don't, we don't want to go too crazy with this. We're still trying to help everybody be compliant. They're trying to help you do well, those types of things. Um, and then now here we are, you know, where we are today. And you're starting to see some of these big fines come out because the, the regime's been in place for so long. So that's kind of how it goes at a very high level, Brian. Nothing to really be afraid of. Take some time and it takes really good record keeping. Um, and you've got to be able to provide all that stuff uh, within a timeline and then you know, review it and go over it with the assessor. So it can be nerve wracking, but it's really not that big of a deal. So did you find uh, during the process, did you find that the the temperament of the assessor or, you know, of the communications that you had back and forth with FinTrack, uh, they were, they were more of an education uh, type of a situation rather than, you know, you know, purposely punitive as you would expect, say from a CRA audit. Yeah, yeah. The, the, I didn't get the impression that there was any punitive sort of attitude uh, to the assessor at all. They're very cordial. Um, they're really just trying to navigate the the you know through their regulations as as simply and smoothly as possible. They're not too quick, those guys, to tell you do this or don't do that. What they do do is they give you the legislation or the uh, explanation of the legislation uh, as outlined by the federal government. So they won't say, Brian, you have to do this thing to be compliant. What they'll say is, Brian, in order to be compliant, this is what is required of you. And then how you go about that is entirely up to you. And it's also you're also responsible for it, which is an interesting thing, Brian, because, you know, we have CREA, right? And CREA being such a great organization has gone out and created all these forms and things for us to, to use in order to create our, our compliance regimes. But in my second audit, one of the things that was interesting was FinTrack said uh, the risk assessment form done by CREA isn't. 100% compliant. And I went, oh, well, that's interesting. Why? And, you know, they, they proceeded to sort of explain a few things. And it came down to sort of the interpretation of the form. And we just pivoted and, and made the adjustments and, and life went on. It was no big deal. Mm. So, and I, I that's think, awesome. yeah, it's great to have that stuff from Korea, right? It, it guides us. And FinTrack recognizes that the industry is trying and actually doing a really good job. So even when there's little things like, you know, the form isn't 100% what we're looking for, we're not getting fined for that. There's some, uh, there's some understanding. 
Yeah, and and I think that's helpful, you know, maybe to dissuade some of the of the fear that comes along with the idea of a of a FinTrack assessment or FinTrack audit, however you want to put the terminology. Is there anything having been through now two FinTrack assessments? Is there is there a piece of advice, a little nugget of advice that you could give to a, a broker who's bitten all of all of his fingernails off, wondering if he's going to be next? Yeah, absolutely. You need to know what is going on with your company and with the regime better than the person on the other side of the table. So after they review all your documents that you send in, they have a findings meeting. And you get on a call and they, they start talking about, well, your education program didn't cover this or you're deficient in this area. Now, contemplate that you maybe have just sent them like a thousand pieces of paper. The first time I did it, Brian, it was four three-ring binders that were full of, of paper, right? And so there's absolutely no way that they're going to, in my opinion, and maybe they do, and I don't know, I'm not there, but in my opinion, there's no way they're reading a thousand pieces of paper and retaining all of the information on all of this mm-hmm. stuff, right? So when they're going through the findings with you, you've got to know what you have in your policies. You've got to know what their expectations are. And you have to be able to, in, in real time, point out to them where it's found, so when they were telling us uh, you have this deficiency in your training program, we were like, no, wait a minute. We don't have that deficiency. If you go to our training program and we were prepared, we had it all in front of us and you go to section 3.1, we talk about that right here, mm-hmm. right? And then they, on their end, they're flipping to 3.1 and they see it and they're like, oh, okay, no problem. And they'll take that off the assessment letter. Mm-hmm. So the more prepared you are and the more educated you are both on your policies, your procedures, your training regimens, your risk assessments and their requirements, the easier the conversation is. And you can't expect them to be perfect. They can't retain everything they're human to, right? Right. Yeah. And I guess, you know, step one is have a compliance regime in place. If you're if you're a broker member listening, that compliance regime builder is already in your area account. So mm-hmm. take some time and go through it. Step two, of course, is understanding what is in that compliance regime as the broker. And of course, communicating that uh, clearly to the compliance officer and all all of your people through training. And I suppose just in having conversations with other brokers across the province who have been through assessments, one of the things that sort of caught me off guard, which I I think is important for members to understand is that FinTrack assessors will actually have a a interview, random interview with a handful of your people as well and, and ask them questions about your compliance regime. And they find out, you know, how adequately you have trained on those items by talking to the people who are supposed to be receiving that training. So some of that stuff's really basic, but you'll be horrified to uh, to learn who doesn't know or, <laughs> or or who's not coming up with the answer. Like, you know, we we did things in our company. Like, I made the even though we have the FinTrack policy uh, online in our Google Drive, I purposefully put it in these bright red binders that are in our resource area. So when we're yeah. training people, we're like, it's available in the Google Drive. However, it's also in this giant bright red yeah. binder in the in this area. And it's in that area. If you're standing there, you can't miss it. So if we tried to sort of uh, put things in place to to handle those those questions. The other thing that will frighten you is that sometimes something as simple as who is the compliance officer gets lost on people. You know, you tell, you tell them in training or you tell them in, um, you know, in their onboarding or whatever. And then three years from now, you know, they're not thinking about that and and they probably don't care. And maybe they didn't run into any reason uh, to engage the compliance officer because their transactions were, 
were really easy or good or it just didn't just didn't require that and uh the comp- the fintrack assessor will be like who's your compliance officer and the person will be like i have no idea the broker <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> i have no idea that's right. exactly the answer you don't want to give <laughs> right <laughs> so in your compliance day if you're if you're running it the way that we do uh every every compliance day every training every interaction you've got to be kind of reminding people over and over again red binders compliance officer policy you know that kind of stuff that'll help you a yeah. lot yeah, and I, and I think that really is so so important. You know that the broker and the compliance officer have to be so engaged in this process to make sure that the that the realtor members, the associate members, are following through on on what is necessary. So one uh, thing that's really helpful for brokers is to if you're not the compliance officer, don't try to be the compliance officer. So you can actually help people remember these things by saying, you know what, that's a that's a really great question. FinTrack related questions really should go to the compliance officer. And that's Tim. So please give Tim a call. That's an incredible point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's important for members to know that the compliance officer is not always the broker. I think you had mentioned it before. Oftentimes it isn't. The broker has a whole host of new duties under the Real Estate Act and, and everything that they have to worry about. And that's not always in a larger brokerage. It's not always possible to be the compliance officer and the broker. Right. So it's important for members to know that there is a, a compliance officer and that may not be the broker and to understand who it is and where their, where their questions should be directed when they you know, when their spidey senses are tingling on a particular deal or an identification or something like that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean for brokers that uh, because you have a compliance officer, you get a free pass either. You, yeah. uh, you're still responsible at the end of the day and you still need to know all the information. But the compliance Absolutely. officer is really the guy for the job. Yeah. And, that, and so I guess with that, I suppose the final question from me is, having sort of the full orbed idea of what FinTrack is and who is responsible for what and how that is all, you know, figured out by the federal government. Do you have any final thoughts that you feel realtor members or consumers uh, or even broker members who are out there listening? Should you, you want to impress upon them any final thoughts on this topic of FinTrack? Sure. Yeah. I think the the big thing for everybody to, you know, sort of really make sure that you're keeping in the back of your head as you're going through your day and you're busy and you're getting complacent and you, and you, and all that, uh, you hear people say like, what do I care? Like, why do I care about FinTrack? I don't care. I just, it's has nothing to do with selling real estate. And that's just simply not true. It, it actually has a lot to do with selling real estate it has a lot to do with the integrity of our industry and the social responsibility that we as professionals have to not only our communities, but to communities around the world. Right. Um, FinTrack and and actually works with the UN to help other countries put these policies in place, and that's where risk assessments and and things for different uh, different country countries change, because it's so global and it's so big. You know, doing something like the right thing on a form today, despite what our personal thoughts and feelings are, could actually be saving the life of somebody else on the other side of the planet. And you may never know that, but you can take great comfort in knowing that you did the right thing. And in all likelihood, that's going to make someone else's life better. And that's an easy thing to do. And so we have to remember that this is very, very important, not just for us at home, but for people on the other side of the planet or anywhere in the world. 
Yeah, that that's a great way to end off this episode, Chris. I sure appreciate not only your time today in our in our discussion, but also you know your work on this and and through the brokerage and all the all the hours that are put into compliance and and making sure that people understand what their responsibilities are. It does make a difference, and it's important in the industry. So I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure. We are so grateful that Chris has taken the time to help us think through some of the important aspects of FinTrack in the real estate industry and the practical applications of FinTrack compliance. If you found this podcast helpful, be sure to share it with friends and colleagues who could also benefit from these very practical episodes. For additional real estate practice information, check out our blog, Practically Speaking, which can be found on our website, albertarealtor.ca. We look forward to seeing you the next time we are in your area.